Welcome to the Enemy of Light and Dark podcast. You won't know what's before you. You won't know what's around you. You're going to bump into walls and you may lose all orientation. But here to guide you through it all, your host, Stephen Alexander Hamilton, and his trusty sidekick, the phenomenal guide dog, Sumiko. This is Stephen Hamilton, and you're listening to The Enemy of Light and Dark. This is episode two. If you have not listened to one, then I would go back and listen to one before listening to two. But that's just my opinion. I like sequential things, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. But you do it the way you want to do it. Today's topic, of all things, is CBS. No, not the nightly news, but Charles Benet's Syndrome. You know, when we were sitting down and trying to think about what episode we should do, we wanted to come up with one that was near and, di- and well, it's more near and far from my heart, but it's the most prevalent one I have. Charles Benet syndrome is auditory and visual hallucinations. Now, if you read the documentation on the internet or medical papers, the majority of them, they're going to say that it is a visual hallucination. But for some reason, I don't know why, but I have an immersive experience where I have them as auditory and visual hallucinations. And what they are is basically you'll get a hallucination of looking at a person or a thing. It could be a street. It could be a person. It could be just about anything. And sometimes they last minutes or sometimes they last for hours. I started having Charles Benet syndrome when I had severe vision loss. What mine were, were basically, it was a silver wire that kind of swirled around and morphed into objects and things like that. And mine has progressed since then. Now, stay tuned, because we're going to learn a lot more about the weirdness of Charles Benet syndrome later in the episode. But first, I want to explain, Charles Benet was a Swiss researcher in the 1700s, and he observed his grandfather having hallucinations, but his grandfather had severe vision loss. Oddly enough, later in life, Charles Benet had severe vision loss as well, and he developed Charles Benet syndrome himself. Okay, so who gets Charles Benet syndrome? That is a wide, wide topic because anybody with severe vision loss can get Charles Benet syndrome. For example, people with RP, retina pigmentosa, macular degeneration, and people like me who had their eyes removed. Now, interestingly enough, Charles Benet syndrome is not a mental illness. It's not schizophrenia. It's not any of those things. It's primarily your brain trying to fill in the pieces that it has lost. Charles Benet syndrome looks real. To the person that is having it, it looks like it's happening, but you know it's not real. For the people that have it, it's kind of like wearing a VR headset. Virtual reality. You can see it, you can feel it, or feel the situation, but you know it's not happening. 
that's where it gets most disturbing. Okay, so how rare is Charles Binet syndrome? Now, funny enough, I got to tell you this little story. For many years now, I have been telling people how rare it is, and I've felt so excitedly, terminally unique because I have this disorder. But after investigating more, we've found out that it is more common than I had originally thought. Well, you know, one would have to ask, is there a treatment or is there a cure for this syndrome? And the short answer is no. (laughs) Nobody knows. In fact, it's poorly understood, and researchers don't even really know why it happens. And so we're still in the big mystery category of what this entails and how each person has their own experience. There is some thought that it is one's brain trying to fill in for what senses have been lost, but nobody knows for sure. I tend to agree that it probably is that, that my brain is filling in for what was lost since my eyes were removed. Oh, wait a minute. It's time for a commercial. The Tidy Bowl Man. For your toilet. For that pesky ring around the toilet. The Tidy Bowl Man and the Tidy Bowl Navy clean it up and scrub it up and it's all better. I'm just kidding. You know, those old Tidy Bowl commercials are so funny. You should look them up on the internet. (laughs) They're just really funny. Now, back to the show. Is it the same experience for everybody that is having it? Well, the answer is no. We all have different images in our head. Some people have full street experiences. Others have just people or a building. It could be elephants or dancers or even little girls running around in patterned dresses. It could be just about anything you can think of. It really is different for everybody. The point is it's very vivid, though when looking at it, it seems real but we know it's not. Now, keep in mind that even closing my eyes does not stop the hallucination. I can put my fingers in my ears and shut my eyes, and it's still as vivid as if my eyes were open. Let's talk about my experience. This one just happened a couple days ago. I was in the bathroom. I turned around. Right in front of me was a cowboy standing there with all the dirt on him, the guns, the whole bit, something right out of a movie. And I stood there looking at it. In a flash, it disappeared. One of the more terrifying ones that I have is the breather. For example, like at night when we're all in bed, snug as a bug, Cindy is asleep, Sumi's asleep, and I'm wide awake, I can hear at the end of the bed, facing me, somebody breathing. And it's a deep breathing. I know that it's not Cindy, and I know it's not Sumi, but I hear it clear as a bell that somebody is looking at me and breathing heavily. This one scares me a lot. There's also one that disconcerts me a lot. It's always people staring at me. It'll be a group of people or an individual, but it's usually a group of people that are just standing, staring, and looking at me. Makes me feel self-conscious sometimes. 
One of the first ones that I have that I still have today is somebody knocking on the door. Now, somebody knocking on the door, you get up, answer the door. Well, in my case, when you're doing it 10, 12 times and nobody is there. (laughs) So I've had to figure out some way to combat this. I kind of thought, well, I better be creative about this. We got a ring doorbell that anytime anybody comes up to the door, it vibrates my watch. I get a tone out of my phone. So now when somebody knocks on my door and I don't get a alert on my watch or my phone, I ignore it. But there are times still that I will get up and answer it thinking that, well, maybe the doorbell didn't set it off. But it has helped a great deal. Another one I have is drawers, cabinets, closets, opening and closing. This one can be scary too, just because it gives the illusion that there's somebody there when I'm in a different room. Also, there will be people walking around in the other room, kind of a low, hushed-toned voice talking to each other, but walking around. They seem to have been enjoying themselves, but I certainly don't enjoy myself. One of the more funnier ones that I've had is... (laughs) actually Dick Van Dyke. One evening I was sitting in the massage chair and there it was, Dick Van Dyke floating over my head, the black and white Robert Petrie. And I turned to tell my girlfriend that Dick Van Dyke had showed up. That one I'll never forget because he just stared at me with no smile. And I hurt my feelings a little bit because, well, you know, I'm a nice guy. And when your hallucination isn't cooperating. It's hurtful. It was still funny. I mean, there it was, Dick Van Dyke floating over my head. It was hilarious. Another one also is my mother, my dead mother. And uh, sometimes I will look out to the left or right and see my mother standing there and hear my name being called. Once I was sitting down and my mother put her hand on my shoulder and in my ear yelled, Stephen. That one scared me so much I had to leave the room. (laughs) It took me quite a while to regain my composure on that one. The last example I'll give is, you know, I'll be standing in the living room. The living room wall will open up into a different room. I've always wondered if I could walk into it. (laughs) I haven't yet, but that one happens occasionally as well. We've come to the part of the show where it's time for Sumiko to give the weather report. So let me just get her over here. Come here, sweepy. Come here, sweepy. Okay, get up on the chair. Why aren't you getting up in the chair? Give me a treat. Give me a treat. Give me a treat. Oh, you know, that's right. She doesn't work for free. (sighs) Well, here, finally, we'll get the weather report. Probability of precipitation. (laughs) 53%. I guess I should talk about how it affects my quality of life. Charles Manet syndrome is one of those syndromes that tricks you. And so it seems to me that from the moment that I wake up, I'm in a hyper sense of vigilance. Charles Manet syndromes can, or I call them CBs, can happen at any time. So I seem to find myself always on guard. It's pretty stressful. When they do happen, I often am surprised that they have happened and or I am very scared and don't know what to do. 
And it affects my daily life in all areas because it's not just at home. It happens when I'm in the car. It happens when I'm in the grocery store. It happens anywhere I go. It's like living in a haunted house 24 hours a day. I haven't really learned to manage it well enough to feel comfortable with all of these hallucinations happening around me. However, I hope in the future that I am able to manage them a bit better than I do. But as long as they are looking at me and hearing people in the background, seeing cowboys and seeing all sorts of stuff, it's going to be pretty difficult. But I am a hopeful guy. I will continue to deal with this on a day-to-day basis. When I first went blind, I would have these experiences and It scared me so much that I didn't want to tell anybody. In fact, I kept it a secret because I thought I really did think I was going schizophrenic or having some other devastating mental illness. It wasn't until I went to blind school that I even heard about Charles Benet syndrome. I was actually sitting at dinner and there was a bunch of blind guys sitting around. We're all talking, and they started talking about Charles Benet syndrome and their hallucinations. I was flabbergasted. I said, I have those too. And they said, you need to go to your doctor and tell her that you are having these experiences so it can get documented. So I did. I went to Dr. Laura, who was the attending psychologist at the time. And I sat down with her, and I told her all my experiences with the sensations and vivid hallucinations that I was having. She said, well, Stephen, you have Charles Benet syndrome. And I was relieved in the sense that I finally knew what it was. And it wasn't a mental illness. It was something that my brain was trying to fill in for, which I've said earlier. The relief was huge. You know, it's that time, the time to wrap up the show, but I want to encourage people to go out to our website. On our website, we have a contact form. If you have further questions about this episode or other episodes, fill out the form. We would love to read all questions on the air. Sometimes I skip areas that you might want a little bit more detail in. Well, folks, it's time to wrap up the show. So, like I always say at the end of the episode, all my psychiatrists always say at the end of the session, Stephen, we're out of time.